Broadcasting from high above the reserve, this is Radio Harambe. Jabo, everyone, and thank you once again for tuning into Radio Harambe. I'm Dave McBride, broadcasting from the Radio Harambe Studios, a frozen solid Radio Harambe <laughs> Studios, as we are here in the windswept Northeast. And joining me in his uh, parka and snow gear is Safari Mike. Mike, how are you? I was trying to go for a run yesterday afternoon. I think my face is still frozen. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. I gave that up for Lent last year. So, uh, What we wanted to do today is kind of get everybody caught up on the news at uh, the Animal Kingdom and the rest of Walt Disney World. We've got some stuff to do. Um, coming up, we have our traditional end of the year, beginning of the year shows that we're going to be doing soon. But we got a lot of news that we wanted to throw in here and some stuff that was brought up in our last listener question show. If you go back to episode 124, you'll hear some of those. Um, and we want to just sort of follow up on some of the news things, both from the Animal Kingdom and from around the Disney galaxy. Starting off with uh, the Animal Kingdom first, we got some. We discuss. We, we kind of opened up with this in the listener question show because mm-hmm. two shows ago, episode one twenty three, we talked about Flights of Wonder and how it's going away, and then we learned right after that show got released that it's being taken over by the folks of Up. And sort of, kind of, yes. Sort of, kind of, and now we may have a little more information. So what do we got here, Mike? So um, basically it comes from a recent audition po- notice posted by the uh, Park Entertainment uh, right. section. Um, the casting call is for Anika, a young woman who lives in the Anandapur Indian village okay. and spends her time as a caretaker of birds in the caravan Avery. She is the descendant of a Maharani, a free spirit, and the storyteller in her proud family. Her movement and language are colorful and expressive. She is personable, playful, and at home in nature. So that's the casting call for that um, uh, particular character who is obviously going to be the replacement for Guano Joe, the storyteller. Right. But, or one of. I mean, not necessarily the replacement for Guano Joe. Well, I don't think there's going to be a Guano Joe. But the, right, right, right. That's that's kind of where I was going with that. Um, so uh, we're kind of getting the, the idea of... We're going to blend up into... Anandapur. Anandapur. Um, Picture Doug and Russell in Rivers of Light. So, (laughs) right. So instead of... But it sounds to me like instead of Guano Joe or some regular person bringing a set of tour guides into a bird show in Asia that's occupied... That is run by white folks from America um, <laughs> we're now going to have a good specific tie-in to their surroundings and Asia which it didn't have before yeah no I guess they're doing some of the folklore kind of right. ish kind of right. thing going on sure 
I mean, they have a backstory for her, and her backstory right. fits the um, the surrounding area. Sure. You know, the theme of not only the 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 um, the, the theater itself, and Mike in the Latin episode one twenty three, we talked a lot about. Um, what that theming is, and go back and listen to that. Um, mm-hmm. The backstory that's in there is terrific and pretty well involved. Um, but the last show, really, one of its criticisms was it never really did anything about that, other than at the end say namaste. Right. Like we, that. We laughed. We kind of joked about that. I think we did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we did. That was their one sort of tie-in. Oh, I forgot. We're in the Asia section. Namaste. <laughs> so now they're going to bring it in, and then instead of having this, you know somewhat annoying um, hardly funny tour guide um, distracting us from the show we're going to have Russell and uh, Doug right who are probably going to be our entrance into the world of these things they're there and an Andapur to I guess get a wilderness badge and um, and they discover species of birds from around the world and uh, they keep calling it quote up end quote close encounters with birds uh, every day Get it? Up close encounters. Up. (laughs) I get it. Very clever. I get it. It is very clever. The last Flights of Wonder, of course, is December 31st. We're recording this. What's the 30th? Yeah. By the time this comes out, it'll be uh, it'll It'll be be it'll be a thing of the past. We hope you got a chance to see that. The new show will be there just in time for the 20th anniversary of Animal Kingdom. That means to me that it'll probably be uh, opening. I would imagine. Earth Day. I think it will probably be the 20th anniversary. That'd be my guess. So that absolutely leads me to believe that they're doing some work in the building, and I'll be able to uh, confirm that when we get down there. I'll be down there in a couple of weeks um, because it seems like a heck of a long layout if all they're doing is changing the script and the casting. That should only take a couple of weeks to. to right. I mean, they could have casted. They could have cast this person three months ago. Put this casting call out. Um, the fact that they're only doing it now means that their time frame was always for April, which means that they must be closing the physical part of the show for some sort of work. Well, I mean, an addition of the sign, uh, you know, some, there is an alternative that kind to of that. thing. The what? alternative to that would be the contract that they had expires on December 31st, <laughs> and they really want to have this opened on the 20th anniversary date. So they built in, you know. Sure, but they got to they got to be doing something physically to it. Oh, they got sure to be something. Yeah, they got to be changing the stage set. Take somehow. the opportunity to do a paint job, I guess. But I mean, there's going to have to be a convenient way for a person in that um, Russell suit, which is not a and the Doug suit too. Right, right those are not small. Um, to get, no, they're not face characters. To get on and yeah. off stage, <laughs> I mean that's that's going to be difficult for them. Right. Um, I'll say this, Mike. Uh, I, I I'm encouraged. I like it. Yeah, I it's mean, not bad. I, I like that it's staying um, with the theme that it's staying with. We both said we w- would like that to continue, and um, they are, you know, going into the backstory of um, of the Anandapur area and uh, using that as obviously a very important part of the show. So I think that's um, definitely a positive. I can't, I can't, yeah. I can't read it any other way. Um, okay, and then we have some updated guide map stuff. From uh, the Animal Kingdom, uh, yeah, it takes stuff. out Flight of Wonder yeah. off the off of it and that kind of stuff. Nothing. Kilimanjaro Safaris is now the cover of it instead of Pandora, right? So see, they know who butters their bread here at Disney's Animal Kingdom. No place. Hey, they do. I think that's I think that's incredible. To be honest with you, that they are going less than a year after opening, they're taking Pandora 
off of the guide map. It still has three hour waits, four hour waits. I just think it's amazing, Mike. I really do. I, I, I expected. I think you this, might be reading too much into that. I think I expected those stupid blue things to be on the cover of that guide map for 10 years. I'm shocked that it's gone already. Now, listeners, you got to be, be with me on that. I, I'm shocked that it didn't even last a year before we took them off. Um, okay, we're get, we got another uh, local story from Disney's Animal Kingdom we want to get to. But before we do that, let's go through some of the stuff happening in the rest of Walt Disney World, Mike. So what do we got? Sure. The, the, f- the first two stories I want to talk about struck me as unusual decisions okay. I by like Disney. Those. I like those. Number one, Disney uh, Walt Disney World Resort has now put hotel restaurants, uh, seven of them, I believe, are now available to make reservations on Open Table, the app that uh, permits you to make reservations at restaurants all over the country. Um, really? Yeah. Artist Point, Boat Rights, Flying Fish, The Grand Flow Cafe, Jico Sana, and The Wave are now all on Open Table or OpenTable.com if you don't have the app. Okay. Um, okay, f- finish up what you can say. Um, this is an alternative to booking it through Disney, yeah. Disney website, right? And my Disney experience and the Open Table, as far as I know, and I've used it a couple of times, does not charge you for not showing up or canceling, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I assume that that will remain the case here, which means this, you know, if you're not sure if you you really want to go to you know Sanaa that night. You might have to bail on it. You know, book it through Open Table, and this way, you won't be charged theoretically. I'm I'm trying to read into this a little bit. It, they, these are obviously higher end restaurants, but not the highest end. No, not really. Boats right. Yeah, Boat yeah you're right. Not. You're right. You're right. Cafe yeah, yeah. is not. Right. Right. No. No. I think it's wave. Grand Flow is not. Yeah. I'm just. I got stuck on Jico and Artist Point there. And Flying Fish. I would. I would both consider higher end. Those three. Excuse me. Yeah, sort of, sort of middle of the Disney. Right. Certainly, they're all in the hotels. There are no right. They're all in the hotels. There's no buffets. There's no um, none of the things that you normally no have struggle to get a reservation for. I'm thinking of like Ohana, right? California Grill, Celia, or I don't even know if that's really that big of a deal anymore. I'm, I'm just yeah. worried. About, I'm just trying to think of how they came up with these seven for for this. I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, is this like a test so that they completely bail on making di- dining reservations to let Open Table do it? Let Open Table do it for the hotels, right? It's possible, I guess. I, t- I can't see Disney relinquishing control over the reservations yeah, for Hana. Cut costs. It's true. It certainly does. Lord knows the app doesn't work. Um, <laughs> what? What? Um, yeah, I'm I not, thought it was interesting. It I is. I'm kind of flummoxed by it. Okay, so what's next? Well, this is another one that's that puzzled me. Uh, guests at Disney Springs Resort area hotels beginning okay. uh, with stays on January 1st and continuing throughout 2018. So Disney has announced this is going to happen throughout 2018. Will now be able to take part in extra magic hour benefits at the theme parks. Wow. These resorts are the Bee Resort and Spa, the Best Western Lake Bonavista. The yes. Doubletree Suites by Hilton Orlando. The yeah. Hilton Orlando Bonavista Palace. Okay, good. The Hilton Orlando Lake Bonavista. That one I have a reservation for. The Holiday so, oh. Inn Orlando. And? And the Wyndham Garden Lake yes. Bonavista. Excellent. This is great news. <laughs> this is great news. <laughs> also you, we, scheduled. For those of you who, 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 who don't know, um, Mike and I use these uh, hotels quite a bit. 
Um, I've stayed at the Wyndham. Yeah, I'm, I can, I'm staying at the Wyndham this year. I've stayed at it before. I'm going to be staying at the Hilton Orlando Lake Bonavista this year. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take advantage of this a couple of times over the next few months. Well, so you could do e- extra magic hours right. now. Beginning on January 10, guests at those area results, area resorts, excuse me, who have booked a Walt Disney Travel Company package, right, including a stay at one of those hotels, right. will, will be able to link their hotel reservation, yes, to, sir, and get uh, Fast Pass Pluses sixty days as yes. opposed to thirty days. But you got to book it through Woo! a travel company. You I don't do, do that. I I can't just book it straight to the hotel. It says. Who have booked a Walt Disney Travel Company package? Oh, boo! <laughs> boo! I got excited um, there for a second. There are a couple of other things, such as a booking advanced dining and you know golf course stuff. All right, that we don't care about, but um, I'm an excellent golfer. I was perplexed by this decision. Why? Why do this? Why would you even do this? this Why not? This is, well, first of all, if you stay at a Disney Resort, you now just extra magic hours just got more crowded. So you're they don't def- care about that. They're, you're deflating that benefit. So they don't care about that. That's not an interest of theirs. They're, 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 that's come on, Mike. <laughs> they want to open the park and have as many people in the park as they possibly can. Uh, they don't want to open the park for nobody. They want to have people in there spending money and doing the thing they need to do. But do you think that's been a problem for this one hour extra magic hour? I don't think that it's been a problem. I just think that, you know, if I don't care what the, the benefit to Disney is completely immaterial for me. I could give a flying whatever about whether or not Disney is making money or doing anything. But that doesn't mean anything to me. What means something to me is some of these hotels have some of the best prices for on-property oh, sure. stays that you're ever going to get. Sure. I mean, these hotels are all usually priced or often priced in the range of a value resort. Or lower. Or lower, and always much nicer than almost all the value resorts. I would stay at a Wyndham, the Wyndham right across the street from Disney Springs in a heartbeat over any of the value resorts. And the Hilton is right across the street yeah, from Yeah, right there too. Right, yeah. And it's right there, right on top of Disney Springs. And not only is it right on top of Disney Springs, it's right on top of Disney Springs bus service. Oh yes, it's, uh, although you might actually be closer to. Oh well, when we when I was there at the Wyndham, I actually just walked over to Saratoga Springs a couple times. Right. I mean, it's it's because the Disney Springs bus service is not not great. They well, could they could use to make that better. But it's also not consistent. Like it doesn't go to parks until like four o'clock in the afternoon. I think it might get better if they start doing this stuff. Well, maybe you know. So I'm very excited by. It. I mean, I could care less whether or not Disney is a good idea for the for the. For the resort, it just doesn't. It just doesn't make much sense to me. I don't see the benefit to Disney other than your. I mean, getting people to stay at their hotels is a prime. Well, well, they've always done it for the Swan and the Dolphin. That's true. So why 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 do you get to get all those benefits at the Swan and the Dolphin and not at these places? Well, that's how, that's how the Swan and Dolphin. Well, first of all, the Swan and Dolphin are right there on property. I mean, those ones are sort of off to the side. But. This is as closer to Disney Springs than the Swan and Dolphin are to any theme oh, park. Oh, sure, I, I understand that, but it just—I mean—I don't understand why do this because you are de- deflating the benefit to. In other words, one of the perks that they would say, you know, come and stay at our hotels. I can't believe I'm having this conversation with you. 
Why do this? Because they are giving a perk away. Away. Giving it away. Giving it away. To for people who stay at affordable hotels, Mike. Oh, I like this. I'm not I'm not I'm not saying I we dislike need a, this. We need a parade in the honor for this. This is the first time we've had a giveaway for affordable stuff in God knows how long. You two and I you and I are always complain about how much stuff costs and things like this. I get I get I get constant iTunes reviews over being uh I'm not <laughs> Over being uh, grumpy about the prices. You are. This is perfect. This is great. You are misinterpreting what I'm saying. I don't think so. But okay, go I'm ahead. I'm not against it. <laughs> I'm just shocked. I don't know why Disney did it. That's that's the only thing I'm saying. I guess maybe I'm a little too cynical for Disney. You sound very surly about it. That's all I'm saying. Okay, that's fine. Um, it just seems <laughs> odd choice to me. When they go out of their way to advertise their hotel, you know, stay at our hotels, you can get there in early, you can make the your fast yep. passes earlier. This is their hotels, too. I guess. I like it. What's next? Okay. Um, Good job, Speaking Disney. of Good taking, job, Disney. All right, hold on. What's next? Hold, hold your breath. Okay. The special 45th anniversary for annual pass holders that oh, offered God. a 20% discount at 45 rest- restaurants ended December 23rd. <laughs> of course it did. And in its place comes a reduced discount. Right. However, it is offered at more locations. Now you have just a 10% discount. That doesn't even cover your tip. On food and non-alcoholic beverages. However, it is available at every single table service restaurant, but for Victoria and Albert's. And also dinner shows. Like, so uh, every so every like fast that. pass, so, uh, sorry, every annual pass holder gets 10% discount on every Counter service or the table val- service it's valid for the pass holder and up to three guests for every table service on property. Every table service, even on at Epcot and all that. Yes, that's a good benefit. So, yeah, how I mean, many more? How uh, approximately do you think? Oh, how wait. many more were added to what they used to have? Because I don't remember what was on that list before. Was your average Epcot restaurant on Most that list? Most of them were. Most of them were. Okay. Like, I don't know how many restaurants are in Disney World. Okay. That's a tough question. I'm not sure. It's obviously more than 45. Okay. I'm just interested also, to see. Also, by the way, you... there are no blackout dates. There might have been blockout dates on the old yeah. discount, like uh, July 4th. and Well, it ended December 23rd. They obviously blocked it out for the holiday week. But, right. Um, okay. So you were getting less of a discount, but more But more prices. Yeah, it's hard for... I forget what... I, I don't know what, what's been added. So I can't really... Um, Really think about. I mean, there's a lot. You know what I mean. I always thought the ones that were on there were the ones that pretty much nobody ever went to. No, no, there was plenty on there. Like the wave, Jico. Mm, no, no, there was plenty. Forty-five restaurants is a lot. That is a lot. That's a lot more than I thought there was. So, um, but I have a two and a half year old now, so we don't go to many sit-down restaurants. Yeah, I understand that. But anyway, the last couple of years. So, so, so it's um, it's a giveaway. Oh, by the way, it says Take away, all Walt Disney World Resort owned and operated table services. Understandable. Yeah. So I guess that excludes Yak and Yeti. Which usually offers a discount day. anyway. Those ones usually have DVC discounts. Yeah. If nothing else, they have a lot of those. Most that, of the yeah. D- Disney Spring ones, obviously, are out the door then, too. Okay. Anyway. All right. So what's next? All right. Let's move on. I know you want to skip the one, uh, next one I yeah, have. Yeah, we'll do that at the end. end. Yeah. Uh, Garden Rocks oh, released God. their uh, <laughs> schedule. Uh, Garden Rocks, for those who don't know, is... I'm not going to look. I want to guess. I have, I have it here, but I'm not going to look. I need to make some guesses. Is the... Uh, Garden Rocks is the... Um, Go ahead. Concert series for the <laughs> Flower and Garden Festival. Right. And there are some new uh, people and some ones that have been around forever. 
Um, did you say you wanted to guess? Yeah, I gotta guess a few. A few of the uh, what are the old ones that are still? Appear? It's got to be Herman's Hermits. Uh, They're always there. Does it count if it's Herman's Hermits starring Peter Noon? Well, that's all it ever is, <laughs> Peter Noon. Yeah. Uh, one of the Jefferson Starship airplane type of things. Uh, yeah, they were in there. Starship featuring Mickey <laughs> Thomas. Yeah, they're always there. Um, who else? It's always somebody like Christopher Cross or something. No, 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 that's E to the beat. That's he's E to the beat. It's a. Um, Christopher Cross. <laughs> He's eat to the beat. He's always eat to the beat. I'm trying to think. Is this this is the one with the Hansons? No, 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 Hansons. no. That's eat to the beat. Okay, so so uh, who's new? Give us some new ones. Some new ones include Survivor. Oh, you heard my wife in the background jumping for joy over Survivor. Uh, it says new to Garden Rocks, which means that means that tells me they did uh, eat to the beat at one point in time. Same thing with Smash Mouth. I, I know they've done it. I was going to say, I believe, I'm looking at the list now, I believe all of these ones. Not all of them. That write new to Garden Rocks right, right. Are, are just changes from E to the B because right. I've definitely seen Rick Springfield there. Whenever yeah. you see Rick Springfield there in E to the Beat, you have this incredible rush of middle-aged women just flocking to the, I mean, you never see anything like it with their Rick Springfield T-shirts on. It's hilarious. Really? Oh my God! Rick Springfield has this a, a very he still still, still uh, brings him. Huh? He has a very specific audience, Mike. <laughs> he should do a fifty uh, <laughs> residency in Vegas. Then they'd be flooding to one. They of those all have T-shirts on with there. pictures of him from 1979. You know, <laughs> <laughs> village people. Oh, they've yeah, they're they've been around new. for a they're while. Not new. They've been there. For Some of the new ones, uh, Foghat's new completely. Oh, uh, Lone Star, so whoever that is. Is that a country band? Yeah. I don't even know. Yes, yes, they are country. Kicks uh, off yep. with Night Ranger, who's been around for a while. Oh, they've done it quite a bit. Yeah. Right. yeah. So anyway, all right, cool. So what's next? Uh, strangely enough, Dave, the forty-fifth president of the United States, Donald J. Trump, has oh, officially yes. been added yes. to Hall of Presidents, and it is one grotesque audio animatronic. I don't know if you it, had a chance to look at it. It is not attractive. It is <laughs> no, not attractive. Not. But I sort of just opened out of the blue. Um, I've heard some conspiracy theories. <laughs> if you'd like to hear the conspiracy no, theory. No, it's no. Not, it's not political in any way. Okay. Well, it is kind of, but of the conspiracy is. theory was they opened it as they were negotiating 20th Century Fox deal because Rupert Murdoch is such a big, you know, with Fox News and all. That you know, Iger and wanted to uh, establish. Hey, listen, you know, we're, we're not too liberal. Here's now. Nah, Fox News isn't part of the 20th century Fox deal. No, but Rupert Murdoch had to okay the sale. Yeah, that's not. That doesn't make. It, that doesn't <laughs> make any that sense. One. That that doesn't make any sense. It that's was it. odd though that it, all of a sudden it just opened. Uh, I I I think and I and I and I and I think the I I touched on to social media when this opened up. Um, and some other th some other places that I read things and and um, my feeling is after the last few additions to this yeah. show that um, I think it's time for the show to go. Um, I just I just don't think in our um, the the way we address presidents and politics anymore in this country, especially now. Um, yeah, and it's been growing. It's not just it's getting worse and worse. It's not just this president by any means. No, it's, but it's, it's at a fever pitch. now. It's at a fever pitch now, but it was at a fever pitch eight year, nine years ago too. Okay. Um, 
you know, and 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 wasn't really all that great in 2000 or after that after that election. And you, you know how it's been. It's been it's been boiling up to this point. And um, I just think it's time to go. I mean, it just doesn't I don't I don't see it having a big audience. Um, you know, I would replace it with something that's maybe founding fathers related or. Um, you know, you know what I mean. I would, I would re- it's an easy replacement. Just take the the Muppets that are hanging out right outside and put a Muppet show in there about the history of the United States. That'd be great. Or something mean, like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I would keep it colonial, well, and it sort of has to be. It's a yeah, little square. Yeah, and I would keep it that way. I just think it's time for um, for that show to go. I mean, I, I, I mean, they could do a Guardians of the Galaxy show. <laughs> Peter Quill once read a book about the revolution. That's how we'll tie it in. I just show some previews of the Last Jedi That's and everything. Will be great. Go. All right, so what's preview next? theater? Do you agree, Mike? Do you think it's time for it to go? Because I, I just don't, uh, yeah. I mean, there was a time when we when when people had a, a respect for a, a respect for the office, right? For the office, um, and and when they added a new one, it was kind of cool. And even if I didn't vote for him, it's right. still kind of cool that we add him. Now we we don't have that anymore. Now if I didn't vote for him, I hate him, and I'm going to boo him or cheer him, and it right. turns into this nonsense. I, I've been at that show. When people have done things like that, when recently like Obama elect- and stuff, you mean? Yeah, I was I was there when they booed George W. Bush. No, I mean I I've seen it, and I can only imagine what people you, you know you have half the place starts booing, then everybody starts cheering who voted for him, mm-hmm. you know whoever it is. So that's gonna take a knee. Turns into this nonsense, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. It just turns into this craziness, and it it's like it, and it just doesn't. It's not worth it. I I, I just think it's time to go. Anyway. And maybe we should turn the show into something that gives us respect for the office by panpicking a few presidents. Sort of like a Mount Rushmore of an yeah. attraction. Yeah, do, you know, do something about George uh, Washington and Lincoln and, you know, whoever you want. Yeah, right. that kind of thing. But but pick a few and, you Has know. Be at least 100 years ago, so you know. <laughs> and show their life stories, you know, or so, something you can do, like something about how... You know the war people who fought, you know, presidents so during like, wars or something. Kind of, kind. Of, you know what I'm getting at? It's almost like an American adventure type of show, yeah, but, but just but basically about the presidents. About the presidents. I think that's a great. Idea. Anyway, what's next? The Edison Dave is an exuberant, fantastic place, oh, unlike reading. anything currently available at all of Central Florida. At least according to the CEO of the Pantina Group, who owns it. Ah, we are opening our doors on New Year's Eve for oh. a once-in-a-lifetime celebration with music, live entertainment, and exceptional it's, it's, food it's, and drinks. Okay. The Edison actually will open its doors 7:30 on New Year's Eve and will bring in the new year with a fully immersive dining experience. <laughs> And multiple themed areas. The areas are called the Lab, uh, Performance Space, the Ember Parlor, the mm-hmm. Telegraph Lounge, okay. the Patent Office, the Tesla Lounge, mm. the Radio Room, and the Waterfront Patio. So we're going to do something about Tesla in an Edison-named building. Go ahead and read a little bit about the relationship between Tesla and Edison. <laughs> they didn't really care for one another. No. Uh, well, Edison's, well, I mean, really hosed him. But anyway. Of course. More than that. You have a limited Ruined. number of lucky guests to purchase the tickets. I believe they are probably already sold out. Ticket prices yeah. include horse divorce, live action food stations, a wide selection of beer, wine, and premium spirits from 8 p.m. till midnight, plus a selection of coffee, desserts, and a celebratory midnight toast to ring in the new year. It must be 21. Uh, there's also some sort of dress code. You want to guess, Dave, how much that costs? Or Jerry, you look at it. No, I haven't. I'm only. You don't have it on the news. I you do sent, actually. On the news you sent me, you didn't. Have, it's not in here. Mm, incorrect. It is, but that's okay. It is. Do, well, stop looking for it. Do you? Ticket price includes. 
stations. Uh, for a selection of wine for for New Year's Eve? I mean, that's got to be over 100 bucks, no? For New Year's Eve, I would say $125 a person. $150 yeah, a person. That's about what, I mean, that's what anybody charges to New Year's Eve in a place like that. Yeah, when it yeah. actually opens, uh, the Edison, shortly, you know, the next day, I guess. Yeah. Uh, will consist, the menu will have contemporary American fare. They give such examples as pork belly pops, God. crispy fried chicken, the Edison burger. Um, there's also going to be a lot of our crafted cocktails. Yeah, crafted cocktails. I believe there's going to be a cover charge for Micro this place. Brews at night. Craft beers. Because there will be live entertainment, musicians, mm. aerialists, and dancers. Aye, aye, aye. Okay. Uh, the Edison will be open from 11.30 a.m. to 1 a.m. Sunday through Wednesday, and then kick on another hour to 2 a.m. on Thursdays. Once it hits 9 o'clock, you need to be 21 years or older. It's kind of like the old uh, the Pleasure old Island. Pleasure stuff. Island. Okay, yeah. what's next? I don't care about the Edison. Dave Disney has announced that a Nurk, excuse me, a new Cirque du Soleil show will be coming to Disney Springs to replace La Nuba. Never saw the old one. The two entertainment companies are working together on a new cab- uh, collaboration. The original show will be created by the Cirque people, okay, and will pay homage, homage to Disney's rich history oh, of animation. Cool, that's a great idea. With a vivid story told in a way only the Cirque du Soleil can deliver. That's a great idea. They're going to pack the do- they're going to pack the place with that. Lanuba ends December thirty first, just like Flights of Wonder. Awesome. No timetable yet as to when the new show will open. I assume it'll be sometime in two thousand eighteen. Great idea. I'm glad they went this way, but we, I'm sure it'll be yeah. at least a few months. I'm glad they went this way cool what what else dave we have two more stories they're both uh the the big one though the big um elephant in the room is disney has purchased i've already talked about a little bit 20th century fox okay what dave are your thoughts uh it brings obviously x-men and fantastic four to the marvel cinematic universe means nothing to anybody well it means something to fans of the marvel cinematic universe well sure but if you're gonna have a um presence in your theme park for Marvel's properties, it's not going to be the X-Men or Fantastic Four. Uh, no. That's not what you want. I mean, that's not, they're not, you know, if they do that, it's not going to be, you know, nobody cares. Well, I mean, unless they do a Fantastic Four movie and it's blockbuster. Well, yeah, they got to do that. They've tried that a few times, though, Mike. Yeah, not Marvel hasn't. No. Fox they, did, and they did a right. terrible job. Yep. More than once. Yeah. Two, um, two, yeah, two different times. The there. first one I didn't hate so much. No, the first one was fine. It was reasonable. But, uh, when they redid it again, and they uh, with the, the weird Doctor Doom and yeah, terrible. The X Men has sort of died out. Uh, I don't know if I would say that Logan was a big hit. Logan was a big hit. But it was the, very good too. It was very good. Um, but it, but he is not young, so that uh, no, they have to re they have to re- recast him yeah, and redo, redo the whole it, thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Deadpool is now a Marvel property, which that was will not a big be hit. used in in a Disney in a Disney park. No, we're just talking about Disney parks now. Sure, but that's all I care about. I don't care about the rest. Okay. It's true. It's all I get. It's all I want to talk about is the parks. I don't care about. I mean, I I care about the movies, but the movies are already made, and and, and the properties that they're acquiring here. Um, There's a couple of interesting ones, such as. Uh, well, it's interesting that now Avatar is a Disney movie, right? But that doesn't affect us again because we've already doesn't used really that, us. right? Uh, I find it interesting that uh, National Geographic is now a Disney property. I, um, again, I guess. It might be well, again. Not we're. It's not really a parks thing. Simpsons are the Simpsons. I don't yeah. know what the deal is because they're obviously at Universal yep. Studios. Yep. I don't know 
what that contract situation is. What about Ice Age? Is that at Universal Studios in any way? I do not believe so. Because that's, uh, that's another one. Yes, it is. Um, I mean, are they really going to... I guess... I mean, I don't know. I mean, the, the, I think the Ice Age movies have kind of tapered off in terms of popularity. Yeah. The first couple were big. I'm not sure if the Disney's going to go down that road again. I they don't could know. sell some plush, though. I suppose. If they had to. I suppose. Um, you know, you might see... Well, I mean, there's a National Geographic channel. I don't guess that's going to be. And the other thing that's going to be interesting I is... I better say, because I like that channel. Well, it might be a Disney nature channel now. They might combine it. Uh, Who knows? Uh, National Geographic channel isn't really nature-related. but well, I mean, it is some to some degree. But they have a National Geographic wild that's more for them. That's true. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, there's also the Hulu uh, stuff. That's an interesting kind of tidbit with the... Right, right, right. Because Hulu was 30% owned by Disney, 30% owned by 20th Century... Or no, one-third Disney, one-third 20th Century Fox, and one-third Comcast, I believe. So now they own two-thirds of it. Right. So and they're... So they're now... Now is this going to become the Disney streaming service? Right. So that now we get right. into the real, the real uh, reason why they're doing this. Because Disney was trying to, was trying to create their own streaming service. Right. And, um... For the non-Disney fans, you struggle to think of how much content they could really have if they're only going to stay with Disney stuff. So they needed to purchase or bring in some more content. Mm-hmm. This was definitely a, a way to do that. Right. They could play The Simpsons on there. They could yeah. play you know, all that kind of stuff on... 20th Century Fox does a lot of TV shows over the right. years. Uh, one of them, uh, one that one of my favorite shows of all time, which I would love to see brought to the parks, but I doubt it would ever be. I don't know if you can guess this, Dave. What, what 20th Century show did I absolutely love? And it's you know it sort of made a comeback in recent. X Files. Yeah, yeah, X-Files. I know, I know that's one of them. I saw that. Yeah, I'd love to see an X Files attraction somewhere. Wouldn't that be great? But I doubt they'll ever do that. But I, I don't think they would either. The but. cannibals who yeah. they kept their mother underneath the bed. <laughs> that'd be great. That'd be, that'd be great. Oh yeah, that'd be perfect. <laughs> With the Johnny Mathis song playing in the background. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. I love this idea. I love this idea. <laughs> I suspect that will not happen. However, one more story. Yeah, this is the one I've been waiting for. The past weekend, Star Wars... Well, not, sorry, I apologize. I wrote this a little while ago. But uh, Star Wars Galactic Nights happened just before The Last Jedi came out at uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios. And there was a special panel that announced a few little tidbits about Star Wars A Galaxy's Edge or Galaxy's Edge Land coming Yeah, baby. to both Hollywood Studios and Disneyland. Yeah. Lead Imagineer Scott Trowbridge okay. was joined by some other Imagineers. They showed an inside look at the Millennium Falcon that you will be able to walk inside. <laughs> I can't wait. They showed a fleet of full-sized X-Wing fighters that are being built for these lands. I guess Excellent. they'll be... Excellent. You know props or whatever out in the land and finally there was a look at a merchandise location overseen by a todarian uh one of the creatures that you encountered in phantom menace now dave i I forgot who this was the todarian Uh, you reminded me not mistaken it's the guy that owned anakin that was like a flying around little buzzard watu or whatever his name was yeah 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 i think that's who that is all right, so he apparently uh, owns a store there, and there was some concept art. Go on the, uh, you know, on whatever news site, Disney's news site you want to find. Yeah, that's totally. Um, and they will they will show you uh, the concept art for the uh, store, as well as the pictures of the Millennium Falcon and the flight or the school. Uh, sorry, the uh, the X wing fighters, which look fantastic. They look like it looks like you're inside of Millennium Falcon. It looks like actual X wing fighters. Um, that you're walking around. God, I can't wait. It's going to look great. Um, so that brings us to the obvious question, Mike. 
uh, Disney has released and two incredible reviews. I mean, I've heard it. I've heard it put into Oscar predictions. Well. I have. <laughs> um, I've heard people bandying it about as an as a outsider for getting a Best Picture nomination, which we know the original Star Wars got. Um, well, because uh, the, the there are ten pictures that are nominated for Best Picture now, right? So it's an expanded field, so it can easily get one. Um, I suppose. I don't think it would win because I don't think it deserves the, it either. It would don't, I don't think it would win because the you know the Academy has to do their highbrow brutal movies that everything gets nowadays. But um, you saw it. I did. I've seen it twice. I've only saw it once. And uh, your your uh, your thoughts? What did you, uh, I liked what did it. You you did. I liked it. I didn't love it. I think Force Awakens was a better movie. I think uh, I would put this below Rogue One. Uh, even I agree with that. I think there were some real highlights, um, and I thought there were some glaring issues with, mostly with the script writing. I thought was okay. subpar. You want me to do the bad first? Well, I, I think it's important to understand that in the world of social media, you obviously are. It's, it, uh, and, and this is why I wanted to bring it up because I, I kind of got this feeling from you when you saw it. Um, you know. I, we're either there's two there's two types of people if you listen to the twitter world there's yeah. people who loved it or there's people who hated it and you can't be in between and uh, i think I that in between that. and i think both of us are in between okay and i and i think it's time to have like a reasonable discussion about this film because nobody can have it they either think it's the greatest thing that, i mean i hear people putting it like oh maybe empire is better maybe <laughs> you gotta be nut, you know. <laughs> so, and and then you have other people say this is the worst thing they've done since Phantom Menace. That there's the, this is this is maybe Phantom Menace is the worst, and then this, and it's not that either. No. You know, it's it's in between the two. But go ahead with with your bad parts of it, because those okay. are the things that anybody's going to care about. Nobody's going to care what you think the good part is. They only care about the bad. Part. All right, All right. so I'm, but I'm going to say both because I I, I don't want to be. I agree with said you. to be a, I agree uh, with you. yep uh number one and we've talked about a little bit so I know you agree with at least a couple of these things number one is the sequence of Finn and Rose on that gambling planet I forget the name off the top of my head um I thought Can- was cantobite yes I thought was dumb I did not like it um, I, I agree it seemed forced to me it seemed like we got to give Finn something to do yes but we, um, but we don't really want to make him part of the story, so we're just going to give him some ancillary thing that, in the long run, has almost nothing to do with what actually happens. Oh, 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 oh. it has nothing to do with what actually happens. It certainly has nothing good. He only, he only, uh, his story only offers bad things. Right. Um, the only caveat I would say to that was you do get the sense that, and we'll, we'll see how this plays out in the third episode, obviously. Right. Um, as to. You know, you got that sense that the the children and stuff were like becoming or going to grow into the rebellion itself as well, and they're planting the seeds of the rebellion amongst the disimpoverished of, of this planet. Um, I get that; that's fine. But I just did not like the whole sequence. Um, I thought Benicio del Toro was mm. dumb. I mean, mm. I just I just didn't like it. And the whole it was very. I think you. I don't want to steal your line. Strange acting thought. Strange acting um, choices. Choices yeah. from him. I, some people really liked it. I could go either way. I, yeah, whatever. He was an unimportant character in the long run. I mean, he didn't have much to do. So I, I got. It. But as you said this. It was very uh, prequel-ish. 
Yes, that was my yes. And that you know all these aliens, and it was very green screen. Very, yes. I was waiting for Hayden Christensen to pop out. Um, Jar Jar Pinks. Yeah. The one, the one thing I will say is, as I was watching the movie, and they were first going to this planet, I had this sense that this would be a good spot to have Lando make an appearance. Wouldn't it have been a good spot to have Lando make an appearance? I'm hoping Lando shows up in the last one. But then I heard they actually contemplated that. Yeah. But they decided they did. Lando was a good guy, and to be on wouldn't that planet, be there. Yeah, yeah, he wouldn't be there. So they ultimately decided not to put him in there. So which um, is a silly choice when you look at Lando's character, but. Right, right. I I agree with you. I think they should have used him, if, but you know, Billy D's older. Maybe he didn't want to. Who knows? Right. But um, so I didn't like that section. I did not like. I, I thought there were a couple of glaring plot holes. The biggest <laughs> well, one. Well, it's being, a Star Wars film, Mike. They all have glaring plot holes. The biggest one being there is no reason. I don't care what anybody tells me. Why, um, Lord Dern's character, Hold Holdor, Holdo, yeah, Holdo, did not tell. Poe Dameron. None. Her plan. No reason for this. I've heard things. Well, she's an admiral and he's just a pilot. And, and her decision not nonsense. to her decision not to do it led to um, the whole the what what led to the death of how countless people right. in the rebellion because because she didn't tell him he sent Finn on this fool's errand right. which uh, which the only thing that accomplished was um, more people dying in those. Escape pods right. and transports to get out. That's the only thing. There was Finn's zero thing. reason to do it. Right. It was, so both it was Finn a- and Poe in this film are gigantic failures at what they're doing, which I don't mind for a second act. I don't mind that either. But it does. You, you do have to kind of leap your imagination and think, well, why? 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 Did, one of these two didn't think to talk to Leia, or I mean, she was she un- was unconscious. She was but, unconscious, but at least you know they didn't think that. May, uh, just to, even when when he mutinies, it's, it's possible, and but, he has her gu- at gunpoint. Anybody would have said at that point in time. At that point, stop. L- this is listen, what I'm doing. Yo, Poe, relax, yes. yeah, chill out, boy. Exactly. Here's the plan. Exactly. You got to reel it in a little. Right. Anybody would have done that. Right. Um, I don't care that she was an admiral and he's only a captain. I mean, he's obviously a Big part of the rebellion. He's a high up in the chain of command, obviously. So I think she would have shared his her, her plot to begin with. But certainly. He has a front row seat in this little council of... Yeah, of, you I mean, know. it's so ridiculous. This, but the people are defending it. You know, I guess there are Star Wars fanboys. I don't know. Are defending of it course. based on that. Um, and I thought it was just poor writing. I also thought... And I've heard some explanations for this. I still don't get it. What the whole first episode was this whole thing about getting the map for Luke. Okay. Who made that map? I, Doesn't it have to have been Luke? And he tells you in this episode, I don't want anybody to find me. I want him here to die. I don't want him to even be part of the force anymore. Well, that, why would he make that map? There, there, there you have a big plot hole in that Force Awakens. I mean, they, they apparently had a, uh, a map that was in the archives of the Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Empire's yeah, what's old... his face stole it? The, uh, the old guy at the beginning, what's his name? Right. Um, yes, yeah, Christopher... Um... Uh, Max von Sydow. Max von Sydow, yeah. I don't um, remember his character's name, but that's fine. It's, it's out of my head, too. It's fine. But, but uh, he, he Lord, San Lord Tekka or something like that something was his like name, that. I can't remember. But um, yeah, he had it, uh, but it was missing this one piece that, R2 that only R2 had. How did he get it? He must. It can only have gotten it from Luke. And why would Luke make a map if he was if he wanted to get off My the charts? My thought is that Luke made the map to get to this point, 
And then I, why didn't he discard it? I have no idea. I but. think it's just poor writing on Ryan Johnson's part. I think he took some things that he. I think he was sort of saying, "To hell with you, J.J. Abrams." I that, that there's a few parts like the whole yeah. Kylo Ren with the helmet thing. The right. first scene, we had the whole this big thing with uh, Ray handing Luke the lightsaber, and the first thing that Luke does, he picks it up and throws it into the ocean. Which to me, which was funny. I mean, I don't mind that so much. It, okay, it's it might be funny. It, it may have, but what it's saying is that the entire Force Awakens was a setup for a joke. Yeah, I mean it was, and that, I just refused to believe that. And it did, it did feel like they handed Ryan Johnson the reins to this, and they gave him maybe a little bit too much control. Yeah, yeah. and I, and they, didn't, it didn't pull him back in some parts where they say, "Listen, this has got to jive." I, I understand what you're trying to do here, what you're trying to say, but let's try to make it a little less flippant. And does it make the whole first movie look ridiculous right. by him throwing the lightsaber like, I don't care about this? I mean, then why was he making that face at the end of Force Awakens as right. he's looking at it? It doesn't make any sense. It just no. throws it all away. And 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 he did that on, on a couple of spots. Yeah, a couple of them. Sure, You absolutely. know, where there was, there was you're looking at it like, well, <laughs> you know, why did we set all this stuff up? The, the, the big one is... Um, Ray's parentage. Now I know that a lot. Of, here's another thing. See, if, I don't mind that one so much. If if you didn't like the film, then it's because you're a fanboy who had a theory and your theory wasn't right or wasn't answered. That's the famous Twitter response for people who don't like it. That's bullshit. The 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 fact is that some of the theories that you hear is a heck of a lot better than what you got, and not because I don't I don't mind the end result of Ray's parentage. I don't mind the fact that, okay, we're going to take this away from the story of the Skywalkers. The whole idea of this family being the important thing is right. going to go out the window. I'm okay with that. I, I, I have no problem with that. I, I think the idea of any person could rise up and do this is a little preachy, but I get it. I'm okay with that. But they made a point in the first movie of making her parentage a mystery that will be interesting. Right. Why did we have the, all the? Why? Why is the only? Thing, why is Alec Guinness's voice in her dreams? Why? Why are we doing? Why are we setting all this stuff up for nothing? That doesn't make any sense. Because and I, I don't mind them having that discussion. We want to talk about it. And the other thing that a lot of the fan people didn't like, Mike, was the fact that Snoke's Snoke wasn't answered. I don't the, really care about that. I don't either. care because the Emperor, nobody knew who the Emperor was by the end of Return of the Jedi either, other than he was the Emperor. Snoke is the Snoke. He's the supreme leader. He's the Sith thing or whatever we, he's the bad guy. You know, he's the big baddie. I, I don't mind that. But to make a whole story and a whole point of Ray's parentage in the film itself, it's one thing if the fans did it on their own like they did with Snoke, you know. They made they they were trying to make you discuss this in the movie, right, sure, you know, and then they get, pay it off with, oh, she's nobody. Like, come on, the only, I mean, come on, the that, only, that's ridiculous. The only thing I would say so about easy, that, easy, you the know. Only, the only thing I would say about that is we do have another movie to go. We do, and maybe, maybe, and maybe that was a, right. a feint by Kylo Ren or something like it's that. It's possible that it was, but I, it, it one of the big plot. And JJ's holes, writing this at the third one, too, right? So. And one of the big plot holes to me in Force Awakens was. Does she really not know her parents? Because it never said in the movie, in Force Awakens, that she doesn't know who her parents are. We brought that part into it. Fans brought that part into it. Who is alone. her parents? She's alone. 
but she must have known who her parents were because if you saw how old she was when she was handed over to the 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 you know sold into slavery or whatever it was she wasn't a baby right she's old enough to know her parents so she must have known so i never thought the point of what jj was trying to get at was that she doesn't know the point was that she's trying to find them she's mm-hmm. trying to get back to them mm-hmm. you know and they kept telling her don't look behind you look forward don't what the parents that's they're not going to come back for you they're not they're not going to help you you've got to do this on your own and and i understand that because that was the same message that luke had right you're not your dad's not going to help you don't bother looking for your father you know your father's not here your father's not going to be there go forward look forward and do this on your own that's your destiny right i got all that but then ryan johnson brings in this whole thing of of course you know who your parents are don't you they were nobody I never thought for a second she didn't know who her parents were. Mm. You know, it, I, was that ever mentioned in Force Awakens that she doesn't know who her parents were? I don't recall that. I always, my impression I always got, and maybe listeners, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but the impression I always got was that she wanted to find them. She wanted to go back to Jakku to wait for them to come back and get her. Right. Not that she didn't know who they were, but then Ryan Johnson added it. And then it was almost like he was doing it just to sort of spit in the face of the fanboys who who spent two years thinking about this yeah, you know well, yeah i got that impression because <laughs> there was no reason to even discuss her parents or parenthood you know and if you did and he's the only one that's ever written and directed he got solo writing and directing right credits george lucas is the only one that's ever done that before right now let me let me before i sound like i'm complaining about everything i really liked it i have a couple more complaints though first i really liked it but i, I just want to get back to one one complaint that you had before okay, we got sure. into these plot holes which was um i totally agree with you the feeling that i got when i left it was that it felt more like a really good prequel rather than the force awakens felt more like the original trilogy mm-hmm. you know just the way it was shot the way they used um think about Compare the Maz Kanata castle scene and the creatures in Maz Kanata compared to the Canto Bite scene. Um, the Maz Kanata one, whether it used CGI in certain places or used, you know, costumes, costumes or whatever, it looked like the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. It looked when Canto Bite looked like the prequels, right? You know, and that was the general um, issue I had with it. And if you saw it in 3D, I did not. Which I did. I saw it twice. The first time in 3D. The second time was in 2D. In 3D, you really get that green screen feel. Really yeah. do. And so it's actually better in 2D for me. But anyway, what, what were your other complaints? Two more real quick. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe I can spell some of these complaints of yours. Maybe. Number, uh, we'll just do two real quick. Uh, okay. Finn and Rose uh, rescues Finn from dying. <laughs> and the two of them crash in the middle of this salt plane. Right. And the next thing you know, they're in the rebel base. How the heck did the two of them get oh, that's hundreds of yards across the salt plain with the entire First Order out there? They would have been blown to smithereens or at least captured. It didn't make any sense at all. There was a lot of jumps in this movie. There was a lot of points where we just jumped to something like, um, you know, like Holdo's, um, you know, decision at the end to, to light speed into the thing. Why didn't you do that before? <laughs> You know, yeah, if you're going to sacrifice your main ship, do it right away. Turn around and do it right away. Don't wait for half of them to be destroyed. To, be died, to die. You know, yeah. go and do it. Um, 
but also the the other jump of mine that I didn't like was Chewie comes in, plop, bangs into the into into Luke's lair, you know, blows the door in. Right. Luckily, didn't kill him when he was doing it, but blows the door in, and Luke says, "Where's Han?" Now, what you're gonna get here in that scene is Ray and Chewie trying to convince Luke to come. Right. We need you. This is why we need you. This is what happened. And Ryan John and that to me, that was like the most important scene between the two of them you could have had. Between Ray and Luke. And he just punted it. Mm. He just gave it away. He didn't he didn't touch it. That was the my biggest writing complaint. I, I really thought that was a poor choice. Let's have that. Let's hear what Luke thinks. Let's let's have Luke's justification for sitting on the sidelines after this kid killed his best friend. Right. You know, with Chewie there telling him, you've got to come. My, It's practically Chewbacca's nephew, for God's sake. Mm-hmm. Him coming to Luke saying, we've got to go do something. Now, I know we don't want to hear Chewie saying that because that wouldn't be very <laughs> oh. <laughs> a piece of dialogue. But you know where I'm getting at. And he just punted it. Chewie wanted to kill Kylo. He shot him. Yep. I mean, we just we just punted this all away, and I thought that was a poor writing choice, just like what you mentioned, which I thought was a poor writing choice. How did they get there with all of these walkers and these ships? It's a hole in the plot. I, I mean, there's no reason. It doesn't logically make any sense at all. <laughs> well, this is more poor writing than a plot hole, but the yeah. Hux character, I thought, was poorly written and he was almost made to be incompetent and i think he's supposed to be at least my understanding was he is one of the two right-hand men of, of, of snoke it's kylo yeah. and hux i mean he's supposed to be the military genius running everything right and his plan of getting after the rebellion he has them in his crosshairs the the remnants what the minuscule people who have that are left and he says we're just gonna wait till they run out of fuel it doesn't make any sense. He has them. He has the guns. He has the power. He has the fuel. Any first-year military student, I believe, <laughs> I am not one, would have said, annihilate them. Right. It's not like a siege where there's like a big wall around. It's like a couple of guys in a tent, and you're surrounded the tent, and you're saying, well, just wait till they, till they run out of fo- food. No, you don't. You go in and you obliterate them. That's what you would do. <laughs> You're just giving him an opportunity to figure something out. I don't know. I could justify that one away. I I, I could. I, I don't. I don't get it. I I could say that uh, that uh, Hux are, um, um, you know, that he was uh, taking the easy route there. That they weren't going to get away. I didn't understand how the escape pods can get away without anybody knowing. That doesn't seem to make any sense. Okay. If it's possible. That a um, that they could do such a thing, like release pods without you knowing. Why wouldn't you just be sending reconnaissance ships out constantly to look and make sure they're not doing that? Right, doesn't make any sense. And then I the, thought the whole just sit tight and wait till they run out of fuel thing didn't make very sense. Very bizarre because you're very you're bizarre. giving them an opportunity to figure something out. And only why, bad things can happen. And the first ship that was about to run out of fuel, why didn't they light speed that sucker into the? Into the I don't know. I don't know. It so makes sense a, to me. But, but those are the kind of things, Mike, that are throughout all of Star Wars I films. I guess. They're throughout all I Star guess. Wars films. So the, the, the I mean, po- we can go on about this from the first movie all the way to this one. I the Poe Lord on. Dern one just like struck me right between the eyes when I was watching it. As soon as yeah. she, 
like Leia said, well, this is the plan. I'm like, well, why the hell didn't you tell him? I it doesn't it. make any sense. I got. I agree. I it agree. Just that one bothered me a lot. I agree. Um, Did you also, have another one that bothered you? <laughs> no. Well, it, no. But I I do want to say this because you talked about Oscar buzz before. Yeah. Um, and I've heard Carrie Fisher's name being bandied about. Oh, really? I have heard that. Okay. I, I, I mean, I, I'm rest her soul, but the, she's not a very good actress, at least in this movie. Less two. I can't imagine that she would be given. Well, I think the fact that she passed away might cause some of the buzz to be going, but. Right. I, I, I the, the only actor in this film that really impressed me actually was Mark Hamill. See, I, I was just going to say that. That was one of the highlights of this. Yeah. This, I thought he was terrific. He was very, very good. And he's. Yeah, I've criticized him in the past in the original trilogy. I mean, most people in the original trilogy would say Mark Hamill was much, of, very much of an over actor and not very good. He's whiny at parts and stuff like right. that. He overplayed some of the things, but he was terrific in this movie. So, I, should we get to the positives? Well, no, I want to give you a couple of plot holes from me. All right, go ahead. So, um, we're having this Raylo, Kylo Ray, you know, exchanges. Through the force or what have you, right? And um, Kylo says to her at one point, "You're not doing this. The exertion would kill you." Mm-hmm. Setting up the whole point of that was to set up what happens to Luke at the end. Um, why didn't the two of them say to each other, well, "Who's doing it?" Well, then who's doing it? Right? I don't know. You know, it that, that seems so silly to me. Then. She comes to him, mm-hmm. and he just immediately sells her out to Snoke. Why right. did he do that? Was he lying the whole time to her in these little moments when they were discussing with each other? Well, I mean, he w- he was trying to get her to join him. To help kill Snoke. I guess. I mean, I think it, he knew that that's where it was going to go. Right. It just seemed a weird... Just sort of happened. Yeah, I mean, you know I, I mean? I, that one didn't bother me. She so gets much. into this coffin that's in the, the Millennium right. Falcon. It's yeah. the silliest thing I've ever seen. And this, like, it reminded me of the missile that they take Spock's body and oh, shoots yeah, him off and Wrath of Khan. You know, and just sends her off into this ship. So the Falcon shows up at an Imperial ship, completely undetected. Right. Nobody shoots at it. This is the the ship they hate more than any. Mm-hmm. Nobody even sees it. Yeah. And then she comes into, guts through the shields, you know, mm-hmm. which was the whole purpose around the first movie. We have to get lower the shields, right, mm-hmm. to get out of the Death Star. So I guess these ships don't have that. So anybody can just come and go on the ship whenever the hell they want. Yes. That was poor writing. Yeah, that he's was not a, a very good writer. You're not you're not thinking about the storyline. You're just you're wanting to get to certain points and you don't care how you get there. Right. You know, and you that, that's the, logical sense. Right. At least have at least pass take a passing attempt at logic. And and the uh, <laughs> you know, looking forward and I don't want to look forward too much because um you know, one of the things I really liked about this movie was that it just Every time you thought something was going to go one way, it turned the other way. A little bit, yep. And and I and I love that about it. That was great writing choices in a lot of a lot of points. Um, the Leia scene where she's flying through space is ridiculous and looks ridiculous mm-hmm. and it looks like Mary Poppins and I and, and, and it was stupid. It was a terrible scene. That was the only one Poor that choice. I really didn't like. Um, but who's the bad guy? Oh, Kylo Ren. 
So what you're telling me. I am telling you that. You're telling me is the grandson of our hero, the son of the two characters who we all yes. love. Yes. Is ultimately the person who must be brought down and killed. Correct. I find that. I just don't believe that's oh, going to be that's the case. A, I think that's what it's going to be. I just don't believe that's going to be the case. We did a whole show, told a whole film about turning Kylo away. And that's not going to be what happens at the end. Instead, when we get to the end, Ray's job isn't going to be to turn him. It's going to be to kill him. So who's the big baddie, Hux? I don't him. know. That's what I mean. So your idea of introducing Snoke so much here and then killing him here. Wh what does that leave JJ for nine? Uh -huh. I guess. I mean, you would think that that was not a Ryan Johnson choice in by itself. I would hope not. I mean, what's her face? Kennedy, right? Kathleen Kennedy? Yeah. Is overseeing so it's, so, so so it's, it's going to have to be a, so at least real, a broad outline. I mean, it could be that the third film could be a very, very war film where that's the rebellion. Could you know, be. The resistance rising to the re reigniting itself and rising to fight the First Order. And I just don't see where the Jedi stuff comes in here, you know, and who the big bad guy is. I think it's I, Kylo. Maybe it is, but I have a hard time believing that. Anyway, is that it? Is that all we have to talk about here, Mike? Or did, uh, you, did you want to say some nice things about it? I wanted it? to say some nice things. All right, go ahead. We've already <laughs> talked about how Hamill was terrific. Fabulous. I thought the, in, the, the Force Awakens, we had that one scene where Han Solo walks onto the Millennium Falcon and you got the, all the... Oh, it's great. The, the, I, there was a scene like that in this movie. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Uh, um, my, to me, it was when Luke sees R2. There you go. That's exactly right. And, and R2 plays the old, old clip. Of yeah. Leia. Oh, God. That was great. It was here a we great are. scene, perfect scene. I mean, here we are, Mike. That This that is the perfect. reason why we all come to yep. watch this, it's is perfect. those two characters right there. Um, I thought the opening sequence with Poe um, in the battle sequence at the beginning Very was funny. And terrific. Yeah. Well done. Holding for Hux? Yeah. Uh, not only that, but just the whole... <laughs> The whole fight sequence as well was very well done. Really well done. Yeah, really neat. Um, obviously, I mean, everybody talks about the when, when Kylo and Rey were back after he killed Snoke. Was uh, uh, that yeah. the, the fight scene with the guards? Fantastic. Was fantastic. Very good. Yeah. I thought um, again, this is more of a Luke thing. When he was the you know facing off against the entire First Order, that was terrific. When he was the astral projection or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Oh, and I, I just loved wonderful. it when he just like brushed his shoulder. <laughs> it was fantastic. I thought it was great. Yeah, and, but the, <laughs> the funny thing about that scene is how many people were surprised at what they were seeing at the end, right? At the payoff, because the first thing I thought of when you saw him take his and his, he looked younger, and he looked he looked like the guy who tried to kill Kylo. Yeah, which was however many years ago. Right. I immediately thought this cannot be him. Right. He didn't just dye his hair and cut it. Right, right, right. So something's not right. I and mean, I didn't know we were going to astrally project. Or I didn't know that was a power. I didn't know that was an in thing. Fine. That was something that Ryan just invented so he could serve this plot. Right. Yeah. Right. And find a way to kill Luke. I think that. I don't have a problem with that so much, though. I don't have a problem with that, but I think there's a million better ways to do it than that. Than to just invent this thing that that's we've fine. never heard mm -hmm. of before and bring the force up to this power level that's almost. Godlike. Yeah, that's almost too much. You know, that none of the other ones ever had. Yoda never did that. The Emperor never did that. Nobody ever did that. These people who are supposedly, you know, schooled and incredibly powerful and the biggest Jedi, greatest Jedi's ever, none of them had that. So why are we inventing that now? That bugged me a lot. And okay. it still bugs me, although I think it served to make some cool scenes. Yeah, I, mean, I did like that scene. Um, yeah. I did... I, uh, 
I liked what they did with Snoke, and they they sort of just killed him off. Like that was as we were talking about before. Bold choice, a surprising choice. Bold and like, surprising really? choice. Yep. Because you figured, like you were talking about, Snoke was going to be what you know the, the, the baddie. Kill off the, He's ba- the baddie at the yep. end. You know, you expected sort of a Return of the Jedi scene there with um, you know yeah. Kylo fighting Rey, kind of you know join us on the dark side and. And that didn't. They just took a complete left turn, which, which I is fine. Was great. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, and I thought overall, uh, you know, Force Awakens was very much a retelling of A New Hope. There was a lot of similarities. I know that's a popular, and it was, yeah. and I think purposely so yep. to get you back into the, you know, for, let's forget about the prequels. We're back, baby, kind of thing. Right. This, and I was concerned that this was going to be very Empire, and it was not. No, it was not. It was not by any means. It was completely different. Not by any means. And I thought that was a good choice. I agree. I thought that was overall very good. Um, Like I said, I enjoyed the movie. I thought there was a couple of things that I just did not like about it in terms of the writing and just the not thinking it through, I guess. That's that's how I felt. Yeah, that's how I felt about Um, it. But it was fun. It was fun. And I'm going to go see it again in the theaters before. Uh, I probably will not, but I'll, I will certainly I, I, watch it when uh, it comes out on DVD and Netflix and all that kind of stuff. I am absolutely, I, I, I think that um, that some of the characters that they've brought in, I mean, I think Ray is such a great character. She's such a great actor. I mean, she does such a great job in these films. And I and I love the way she's portrayed. And, and I think that Chewbacca's parts in this and and the way they've upped their game and brought in a level of realism into the the into the. The ship, the, the space battles mm-hmm. is just so nice and so exciting to watch. Did you care about the Porg? The Porg meant nothing to me. Yeah, me too. I, I don't know why people are talking about the Porg. They don't. They don't There's a whole any. bunch of people who wanted to like get rid of them, get or, rid of them, or who love them. Didn't see any point in it. Yeah, I, they they didn't have anything to me. I mean, they, maybe they used it a little bit more than they needed to by putting them on the Falcon there at the end. But whatever, it, it doesn't mean anything. It, it was certainly not, you know, comparable to Jar Jar Binks or the no. Ewoks. No. You know, they didn't they didn't rise up and destroy the biggest army in the galaxy with a bunch of, uh, you know, spears, slingshots and yeah. spears. Yeah. Um, so it didn't go that far. It was just sort of a <laughs> just sort of a thing that brought in there. Um, I'm excited to see where it goes from here. I'm I, happy JJ's taking it back over. I would say I would put, you know, I, I would put Return of the Jedi, or the last Jedi. I would put it above the prequels in my Absolutely. mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. Maybe even to me with Revenge of the Sith. Um, no, I put it my, above Revenge of the Sith. I, 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 yeah, I, I would say it's a tick above that because I really do. That's how I rank them. I mean, the, the prequels and then <laughs> The Last Jedi and then, you know, the rest. We can rank them however we want. But I, but I don't think it's as good as any of the original trilogy films. It may be kind of in the Jedi, Return of the Jedi. Yeah, I was going to say that. Phase with me. Um, I think Return of the Jedi, still, I like it better because of the realism that, that the, you okay, know, that's the, fine. The, the green screen stuff kind of distracted me in this. Um, but it's not Empire Strikes Back. It's no. not Star Wars. It's, no. And it's not, it's not Force me. Awakens. And it's nowhere near Rogue One, which was just a glorious film. I, I like just Rogue a One. wonderful film, you know? I mean, I liked Rogue One. I don't know what's wrong. Yeah. I call it glorious. Oh, it was great. Film. It was very good. I, mean, I, I, I thought Rogue One was definitely superior to The Last Jedi. Rogue One is my second favorite Star Wars film, over uh, behind Empire. I'm behind Empire and tied right up there with the original with with Star Wars. I put it below. 
I put it even below Force Awakens. Oh god, I loved so Force good. Awakens. I thought oh. that was fantastic. Rogue One was better than Force Awakens. Come on, come on. I know. Uh, I'm gonna have to respectfully disagree. Not respectfully. I thought Last Jedi had some neat aesthetic choices, but also some 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 crazy ones. Uh, I would essentially say I love. I liked it. I liked it enough where I watch it over and over again. Um, it's not like the prequels where I'm not. You know, I mean, Attack of the Clones. I've maybe seen three times in my whole life. I saw it when it came out on midnight. Maybe watched it when I first got it on DVD, and maybe watched it on TV once again. Same with Phantom Menace. I just they just don't have any staying power from no, it at no, all, no. you know. Um, but this is that's not with this one. I will watch this one again and again because I did think it was cool, and I did think there was some neat stuff with Luke. Um, and all in all, I really liked. It. Anyway, I'd uh, give it a B. That's kind of what I'd say. Yeah, it's not a stellar film, but no. it's a good. Addition to the canon, and, and yeah, certainly not embarrassing. And like puts out a lot, and, and does what it needs to do in a second film, which is have unanswered questions sure. and things we need to get to. It's not as, I mean, to me, the uh, there's there's only been a handful, maybe only a couple of real true cinematic trilogies that serve themselves as one story. And I always think of, to me. Uh, Empire Strikes Back being the gold standard, but the next gold standard is to the two towers in Lord of the Rings. It it kind of had more of a two towers feel to me, where where in Empire, when Empire ended, it was everything is is unsettled, mm-hmm. nothing is settled. Okay, our heroes got out alive, but they didn't accomplish anything Barely. here. You know, um, nothing was gained. I, in Lord of the Rings, something two towers, something was gained. Roll Just like in this film, something was gained. Snoke is killed. Right. We 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 got something out of this, and we and it stands alone as its own film very very well. Um, where you don't need to watch the beginning, you know, the first part or the third part to love it. Empire, you almost do need to watch the rest of it to figure out what's going on here, um, especially with the resolution with his father and all that stuff. They left the, it was just a one big giant two and a half hour cliffhanger. That's for you sure. Know, Last Jedi was not like that. Um, See in three years, right? It was. Exactly. Was three years or two years. Whatever. I think, I think it was three. three. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's not the last. Last Jedi kind of settled it. Yes, we have some unanswered questions, but it left it to the point where they can go anywhere with the third one. They could. I mean, anywhere. They could jump twenty years ahead, where the 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 Rebellions. first order is um, completely in control. All of these people are gone. Ray is older. And off on her own, trying to learn the ways of the Force. With Force Ghost Luke. With Force Ghost Luke or, or whoever. And then gets back in the game. Could do that. And and, and does what you, you know. You, there's so many ways they can go. Anyway, the final story we want to do. This is about news, folks. Um, <laughs> the final story we want to do was about the Tiger Cubs. A brand new four-month-old Tiger Cubs. We're going back to the Animal Kingdom to discuss um, Sumatran Tigers. And the reason why I wanted to bring this up today was because... We haven't really talked about it. We also had a question that we held over from the listener um, questions of the last episode. But first, let's talk about these tiger cubs before we get to that. Anala and Jetta, mm-hmm. two two Sumatran tiger cubs, still not named Rody. Keep waiting for one of those. <laughs> um, four months old, and they're finally on stage. So, will I see them in a couple weeks? Yes. Okay, great. We have to figure out. We I don't know what the pattern is now, but I think it's mornings probably would be my guess. That I can't imagine they're all out all day, and they won't be when you go there. Right. So we'll have to uh, figure out what times they are. I have to I would, figure I out a way to get some inside information on I this. I would guess the morning. 
at this point. Okay. Uh, right now, it's a little up in the air. So that's your job. You have two weeks to get some okay. some, some inside information. I can do that. Uh, and the question that we got that I wanted to address was uh, from at Raising Las Vegas, which is not Mike. Uh, since the tiger <laughs> cubs were a result of the species survival plan, does the animal kingdom get to keep both of them, or do one or both of them go back to the zoo that transferred the male tiger? And if so, how long will we have to see them before they go? That's a difficult question to answer, but it's part of the, the species survival plan. So they brought this male in here right. to have these cubs. They have the cubs, and then they're going to have to, for the um, purpose of spreading out the genetic pool, they're going to have to send one of these off to do the same. Sure. So let's talk about the SSP program for a minute. Um, there are four tiger SSP programs. The Siberian tiger, the Malaysian tiger, the Sumatran tiger, which is what we're talking about. And the generic tiger. And that is what the Disney Animal Kingdom used to have. They called them Asian tigers at the time, I believe. Yeah, but the program itself is called generic, but that's six and one and a half dozen of the Okay. Um, the Minnesota Zoo runs the SSP for the tiger, with a couple other zoos chipping in on the specific ones. For Sumatra, it's run out of the Point Defiance Zoo and Aquarium out in, in Washington, Tacoma, maybe? But yeah. it doesn't matter. Um. So what they're doing is at it, 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 it Point Defiance or Minnesota, they would have a stud book. And for the Sumatran tigers, and we'll just limit us to that, I will tell you, and I just pulled up the, uh, the statistics here, there are 30 different zoos in this country participating in the program. There are about 80 Sumatran tigers in the gene pool. They want to get it. The target population size is 150, so they want to get to that size of population. There are 16 cats that are the founders of the pool. And the gene diversity is 89.5%, which is just slightly under their cutoff. They desire 90% or greater, but it's only an 89%. There are, just for background, there are 500, approximately 500 wild Sumatran tigers on the island of Sumatra. And that's the only place you're going to find them, in the wild. So what happens is, is they have this stud book and they match the tigers based upon gene diversity to make the healthiest genetic population that they can. The tiger that came, the tigers that came from other zoos uh, were brought to Disney's Animal Kingdom. They are part of one big population. So the, the tiger that left from, I don't remember the zoo that the male came from, for example, is not necessarily going to go back there. He's probably going to stay here with... Uh, and at least have another litter or two. And then he could go somewhere else, a completely different zoo altogether, to you know match up with uh, a different oh. female tiger. Right. So keep the gene pool diversity as great as possible. So they'll move the cubs eventually out and then have more cubs. Right. And it with all the same pair. Right. It all depends on the size of the institution and how many tigers they can have. For So, um, you know, maybe... The zoo where the male came from, and I don't know this, but maybe the zoo the male came from can't, uh, doesn't have the, the have, facility have to one, you know yeah. have more than one. So, um, you know, they will you know only have one at a time, and that's not particularly in breeding at the time. And they had three or four of the Asian tigers. Well, right? the Asian tigers. The interesting thing about that particular that's the fourth part of the SSP tiger program, and what they're doing is they're trying, as opposed to the other ones where they're trying to get the tiger population as big as possible to at least 150, uh, you know, maybe in the future be able to reintroduce them into the Sumatra if, if they could. 
the the uh, generic or Asian tiger pool, they are trying to get it down to zero. And there are currently not just the couple in the, the Disney park, and they still have them, I believe, at the, in the they just don't put them out anymore. But there are 22 institutions participating in that, and there are uh, just under 70 generic uh, Asian tigers. And they're hopeful they're not breeding them, and they just want to get them down to zero so that the space that these Asian tigers are taking up uh, could be used for one of the other three right. species, um, you know, Sumatran, Malaysian, or Sumatran. Right. So to get back to the question is what's going to happen in the future is the answer is really I don't know. It depends on how much space the animal kingdom has. I mean, could they keep the female cub and, you know, have two breeding pairs going on at one time? They have a pretty good space there. But what we what we do know is they're not these four are not staying at Disney's Sooner Animal Kingdom later. forever. Right. Sooner or later somebody's going to move. They're going to leave. Right. Uh, likely the cubs at some point right will leave to go breed with but it's when they're you know it won't be for a couple of years when yes. they're older and, you know in in breeding uh, age and all that kind of stuff right um again unless the the animal kingdom has the capacity to have a couple of different breeding pairs going at a, at a time you have to remember that tigers do not are not uh are solo animals or solitary animals excuse me right so it's not like they keep the male and the female together all the time. It's only for the purposes of breeding. So you have to have a... So it, now with the cubs there, is the male off in the other section probably yeah. by himself? Yep. Okay. Yep. The section with the bridge, Yep. I would think. Yep. Yep. And they have space in the back where they could keep some even off more. exhibits. Yep. So mm-hmm. it's it's hard to, to say how many tigers they can keep at any given time. I know when they first had the Sumatran tigers, they also still had the Asian tigers. So they have space for, a, you know, four or five of them anyway. Um but you know, it, if uh, you know a zoo in I don't know uh, the Cincinnati Zoo has um, a female Sumatran tiger who's ready to breed, and the male cub is ready, the breeding age, off he goes. He's sent out right. to Cincinnati, and there right. we go. Right. Um, just like you may see, you know, well, whatever. I mean, that's how it goes. Then that's how it's going to work. Cool. All right. Cool. Well, thank you for the question raising Las Vegas. <laughs> um, and uh, there you go, folks. That's our show. You got a little bit of uh, Animal Kingdom news, a little bit of uh, Disney dining, and a whole lot of Star Wars. What more could Wars. you ask for? Uh, <laughs> our next couple of shows are going to be looking back. Or is going to be very Animal Kingdom related. The next couple of shows, we're going to be looking back at the year 2017, and then the next one, looking forward to the year 2018. We always have a good time doing that. So stay tuned for all of that. For Safari Mike, I'm Dave McBride. Quaharini, go well, and thank you for listening to Radio Harambe. Now, <laughs> 